when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. What's good, Internet? It is Monday, February 26th, and you are listening to Waypoint Radio, episode 137. 137. Do you say 137 or do you say 137? I usually say 137. You should say 137. Patrick, what, what about you? It's also, 137 is not even accurate. There, are, there is a lost episode of this podcast. Uh, yeah. And there's mini-sodes. The, the yeah, the gremlins. I missed that. That episode was good. I need was to, so I need good. to just like spend, I need to take some time off and just make a project of re-stitching that, that episode together and just drop nice. that one day. Yeah. As a little bonus pod. Bonus pod. Every 10 minutes makes some sense. Yeah. You know? And then <laughs> you just feel, I should just release all the individual bits and yes. be like, it's an ARG. Make sense of this. Yeah. Uh-huh, just, there's a puzzle in here. Just release the files into the world and be like, I don't know, you guys you figure guys it out. Somebody just, do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who wants to do free labor for me? That's the Austin Walker model, right? Oh. Very, very oh. Amway Point's ideology is oh, you'll yeah. just do some free shit for us. Yeah, <laughs> classic. God. Oh. Uh, shout out to all the fans who've ever done like fan art, though. That stuff's cool. Thank you, yeah. actually. Thank you. Um, how's everybody doing? How's everybody doing this Monday? It's a little bit Monday today. Yeah, a little it's bit? Like, it's actually like, this is like the most Monday sludgy Monday that I've felt in a long uh-huh. time. I don't know why. Danielle has, has like her full Garfield on. I'm like... Oh, hey guys. Uh-huh. Joining us, doing? obviously, Danielle in, in Garfield cosplay. Patrick, what type <laughs> of cosplay are you in right now? Um, uh, um, it's 55 degrees out, oh. so I'm, I'm, I'm in excited cosplay because the, the weather is going to be pretty nice for the next couple days. Oh. Great, great. Uh, Danica is buried under work right now, so no Danica this week. Uh, I'm in... I'm actually just like normie cosplay today. Normie I was like cosplay. wearing the most normie bullshit I have in my closet. Because <laughs> like I didn't want to, I didn't want to be extra today. I just wanted to be real basic. So here, here I am. You uh, wearing your normie fit? I'm wearing my normie. Oh my god, we taught. So glad. I taught Danielle what fit means <laughs> last week. Uh, uh, Natalie just asked when. Um, I wrote a, about Monster Hunter, and yep. in it, I included the chat transcript. Uh, in which it was Patrick and I talking about how fucking terrible and evil N- uh, Nergagante is mm-hmm. uh, in our lead up to fight him. And in the middle of that chat exchange, Danica had said, like, uh, check out, like, my outfit's almost perfect. Like, my, my, my look from, for me, my palico for, are almost perfect. For her perfect. palico, right? Right, yeah. for her palico and her were, like, matching. They were, like, oh, yeah. cats and fur, and it was a whole thing. Uh, and so underneath that text, uh, that chat transcript, I just wrote in parentheses, like, and by the way, yes, uh, Danica and her palico's fit is fire, uh, and linked out to it. And Danielle left a note that was like, is there something wrong with this sentence? I was like, what's a palico's fit? Uh-huh. What is, I thought it was like a Monster like, Hunter yeah, thing. Yeah, like, can you explain this? This is the mechanic I thing. I thought this was like, oh, was there's like, a uh, special fair kit called a fair fit. Question. Yeah, that's fair given Monster Hunter. I don't but, know. Mm-hmm. but no, just, just a fit. Just I knew outfit. what fire was. You did. You got I that. I feel like that was the like better one to know at least you know mm-hmm. 
Batting 500, yeah. all right? I'm batting 500 you're, you're, with that you're up one. there, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's half of it. That's that's what's important. Um, so, yeah, Monday. It is a Monday. It, is feel, it feels like a Monday today. It's like in my gut. I'm like, oh, I can't believe there's still another four days well, in this la- week. Yeah, last week, it, it, this is what happens after you get those short weeks. Yep. Oh, is that, yeah. You lose you that, that long stamina. weekend, that short week, and then like, ugh, normal weeks. Got a lot to do this week. It's a big yeah. week in some ways in terms of content. I have to finish a review because I've been playing a lot of Into the Breach, which is Ooh. the new game from Subset Games. I've talked about it before, so I'm not going to go too deep into it here. Um, but it's a fantastic game. It, it's uh, I, I really love it. It's a, a tactic. If, if you remember Subset, they made FTL. Mm-hmm. It's another game in that sort of that sort of general style, run based. Uh, kind of very interested in lots of little meta achievements that unlock new abilities and new new kind of things for you to use. It's a game in which you play as a squad of mechs. It's almost as if I, like okay. I think that the easy like the the quickest dirtiest meets 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 is it's FTL meets Pacific Rim meets um, Edge of Tomorrow. Uh, the Tom Cruise movie where that he goes back in time. You mean live, die, repeat? Yeah, sorry. I mean oh, live, yeah. die, repeat. Oh, I mean, um, <laughs> what's the manga's name? The manga has a real fucking cool name. Oh my god, it's called. Um, I'm gonna look it up because it's Edge so of good. Tomorrow manga. It's. I mean, that's that's what it's called. It's Edge of Tomorrow manga. You know. Um, god, it has a, the, the best name. What is it? How does? Oh, it's all you need is kill. Is the name of the manga, which is a great name, Um, which is, you know, time travel. You're kind of in a loop. So it's a game in which you play a squad of mechs. You play specifically a mech pilot who's going back in time over and over again to stop these giant bugs from killing the last four remaining settlements of humans on Earth, which has been destroyed in environmental collapse because humans are bad. Uh, And uh, you kind of have a team of of mechs. And it's all very – I just streamed it for an hour, so it's very fresh in my mind. The thing I love about it is how well it communicates – what actual action combat looks like in anime and in movies and like it's all very it's all very like momentum driven it's all very like you're pushing and pulling on things and like doing cool combos there was a bit where i had an artillery unit shell behind a big bug so that it would the explosion would push it closer to my big like mech with huge muscle arms oh. who then like knocked it the fuck out because my my regular mech couldn't move forward because it would have gotten it would have put a train that I was trying to protect in danger and like that stuff feels so cool that's so cool. uh that's out tomorrow uh it's like 14.99 on PC Linux and Mac are coming soon um, there's switch eventually. I, would I hope. hope so. Switch <laughs> iPad. My understanding is it was really hard for them to get FTL onto iPad, and so they're they're a little reticent. Uh, is my is my understanding? But switch is the new iPad. Switch anyway. is the new iPad anyway. So they've said consoles maybe down the line. They're, they'll investigate it. Um, but that's been the thing that's been taking up the most of my time. I for have a sure. question about that game. Yes. What? Okay. It looked. You look at it. You're like, well, that's a strategy game. Yeah. And sometimes there are strategy games that are for more people. Yeah. And then sometimes there are strategy games. For strategy people, yeah, where does where does this game fall in in that? Like, I'm the Did kind of you, person that like I look at like Civ, I look at not uh, four by four games, no. I look at Stellaris, and I go ah. No. Then I like I like Fire Emblem, yep. I like Advance Wars, it, this, like I like games that are in that little like that strategy light is even like. Uh, Stretches too close to pejorative. It's more just like there's a certain depth at which that like I'm I'm interested in, and those games kind of play in that world. Right, the uh, middle of the pool. The yeah, totally. Yeah. Or like the, I think that they're I think that they're meaningfully different. I think mm-hmm. you know, um, uh, you look at something like Advance Wars, which is funny. Sam Barlow, the the creative director, and her story messaged me this morning uh, on Twitter. I like tweeted about how much I liked Into the Region. He was like, it's Advance Wars level stuff. I've been playing it with my kids the last few months, and we love. It. it is very advanced wars. Yeah. 
I guess what I mean, like, usually what I mean by that is, like, I, uh, my interest in strategy games is in, like, a, a very limited set of mechanics that had a, uh-huh. lot, of, a lot of depth. You can do a lot with, with very little. little. It's so not. It, allow, it, allows, it allows people like myself who have, a, like, a, a limited experience and even interest in the genre to, like, get to get yes. into it and get a lot out of it. But then also folks like yourself or others who are really into strategy games, like, there's a lot that... Like, it ends up servicing both sides, yes, whereas, like, some of the is, strategy games that you and Rob talk about, it's just, like, that is specifically meant for people who are deeply into those types of games and are less meant for folks like myself, or yeah. at least that has been my experience. There, a lot of the a lot of the games that we like, like Stellaris, have a ton of options in terms right, of I look at that customizing and, go, and ah! right. <laughs> Uh, this is definitely more in the advanced wars, the Fire Emblem thing. I think it's even more focused than those games. I think this is a great, great uh, first like strategy game in some ways uh, in that you really only have a little bit of th- – a few things to care about. So you have a mech squad of three mechs. Okay. There are a bunch of different set teams that you unlock and you can also choose to – so each team is three unique mechs, right? So like maybe you have – one of my favorite teams is a plane, a kind of rocket uh, launching mech and then a um, – the third one is like it pulses. It's just like – it's just a little floating like like obelisk that does a little pulse in four cardinal directions around it. Um, and so the plane drops bombs and the bombs drops are, are smoke bombs, which stops enemies from doing attacks. Um, it, like it, it kind of disables them for the turn. It kind of like locks them down. Um, the rocket mech shoots rockets that do that do damage, but it also its rockets do knockback damage. So anything that's like around where the again in the cardinal directions gets knocked back, and also it spits smoke out of its butt when it does this. Yeah. It does like the rocket launches and it leaves smoke in the tile behind Perfect. you, and then the pulse is just as pulse. The rocket mech also has a passive ability that turns all smoke into electric smoke. So not mm. only – like makes it have like thunderstorms inside of it. So not only is it that it stops the enemy from firing, it does damage over time inside of that space. And so you just focus on those three things. You don't ever recruit more units. You don't ever – in that single run-through because it's like FTL. You do a run-through of the game. Those are your three units and you unlock those very slowly. You buy – you earn coins. You earn medals as you get special achievements. So like for instance – the very first squad does lots of knockback. There's lots of like moving tiles around, pulling, pushing. It's very focused on that sort of momentum uh, and like uh, spacing, spa- kind of spatiality is a huge component of this game. And so one of the achievements for the first uh, mech squad that you open is just like knock three enemies into the water, you know, in a single battle because the game is split up into like individual battles that you play over the course of the game. And so as you do that, as you do those little achievements, you get points, you unlock a new squad. But each game is just one squad. So you get very familiar with that three character set, uh, which means you you become very familiar with like all of the range of tactical options. But the thing that I love is like I played through that first the first mech squad, you know, whatever, 17 hours ago, and I played them for like an hour and a half. Then I unlocked the next one. I never looked back. But then today on stream, I went back to that first squad, and I was so much better with them. They were so much better than I remembered them being because now I just generally have a better understanding of how to fight these things and how to set up cool combos. And again, combos in the sense are not like – 
Uh, they're not as simple as just like these two character, these two mechs do good damage when they're next to each other. It's a lot of this momentum and movement stuff of like, all right, I'm going to use this cool tank I have to knock back these two other uh, enemies so that they're you know in line with each other. And then I'm going to do a charge dashing punch to knock them into each other and do bonus damage or whatever. Uh, again, it's very physical. It's very momentum driven. Uh, it's very – I mean it's it's all sprite art. So we're not literally talking about – right. Like physics, but I'm saying that it's 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 tile based, but it has this sense of momentum and and physicality and weight because these things are all slamming into each other and breaking mountains in half. And you know, there was a mission where I had to destroy a dam to flood an area to separate a bunch of cities from the the enemy mechs. And like when you knock that thing out and the whole like half of the zone floods and it just buries all of these units, it's really great. Um, it sounds uh, similar to the satisfaction you get from like uh, certain puzzle games. Where yes, like, thinking. Just one or two steps ahead to try and yep. set up, a, you know, the, the way that you'd like in a match three game or something where, or a puzzle fighter, because like, yep. that was a game that I was really into when I was younger, like, where, yeah, you, you set up like something simple, but then it results in like a bunch of really cool things happening at the end. Totally. Well, the other thing is it tells you what your enemy is going to do. The basic structure of the game is it says, all right, in this next turn, these three bug aliens are going to do the following things. This one's going to shoot that city. This one has webbed up one of your units and is going to hit them for big damage. And this third one, maybe the third one isn't going to do anything, but it just gives a constant passive bonus to everything else. So you have to decide how are you going to take care of those three bugs. They mm. always do the thing they say they're going to do. They never do more damage than they say it's going to do. It never does. It's, there's never a roll chance to see if they actually hit you. The only randomization is – I think I've said this before – is there's a small chance that uh, a city unit one of the or, or like kind of a civilian space can resist being damaged. Mm. But it's never enough for you to like – you're never going to be like, all right, and then of course I'll rely on the city to block that damage. It's right. always like between 15 and 30 percent. And so that's always like enough to be like, no, I don't want it to get hit. But if it does get hit and it does resist that hit, like it feels really cool. Feel- yeah. It's a good feeling. Yeah. Uh, I think both of you should try this game. Yeah. Um, it is. It is like really for me. It's giving me some of the vibes I loved about Invisible Ink. Um, oh, nice. The feeling of like. Oh shit! How do I get out of this one? And then like, oh, I can use this mech can do like a pull, so I can pull this one enemy away, and then I can like it's all the the sort of like tricky combos like end up coming together in a, in a very neat spatial puzzle way. Uh, again, that's out tomorrow, fifteen awesome. bucks on PC. Really high record. Also, same. Um, uh, what's his name? Ben. Ben. Uh, the composer? The composer. Prunty, is that right? Ben Prunty? Uh, same composer yeah, from I FTL. Didn't, I didn't even I, – I didn't really play FTL, but I listened to that soundtrack. Okay, it's, a, it's a fucking good soundtrack. <laughs> soundtrack to this is also cool. It's very stylish. Um, uh, and also, there's a, one last little note. The maps are just single screen. There's no scrolling around Ooh. maps. Like the whole yeah. thing has this kind of diorama presentation that is really easy to get into. You can see everything. It's so focused. It has such a, a, a really – driven design in a way that I did not uh, anticipate. So very high on my list so far this year. Oh, uh, so I check that out. It. Yeah, you should. It's What's good. It called again? It's Breach. called Into the Breach. Into the Breach. Yes, good call. I'll repeat the name of games. Making sure. Yeah, Into you know. the Breach, out tomorrow. Cool. Into the Breach, out tomorrow. Out tomorrow. That's the sequel. That's the, that's the DLC. You know? <laughs> out tomorrow. Good. Uh, very good. Awesome. So uh, have you all been playing anything else? That- well, it's funny that you mentioned the, the diorama bit because I can talk a little bit about uh, a game I've spent about an hour with. Uh, I m- mentioned this at E3. It was this game called Moss. It was Ooh. part of uh, Sony's E3 presentation. It was one of the sort of like upcoming VR games, and uh, I was taken by the trailer enough to like try and track that game. It was there were often very few surprises at E3 that it's like, oh, I should probably go check that out. You usually like kind of booked everything up 
ahead of time, but this is one of those games where I saw the trailer and I was like, all right, I need to go figure out who the PR person is to see if I can go see this game. Um, the, the basic setup is uh, you are uh, playing as this little uh, mouse uh, named Quill, um, and you are exploring environments. Like, that's about, as much as they kind of gave away um, in the E3 trailer. Like, the actual game itself is set up in a world where... Um, uh, some sort of evil force takes over, like the, the mice are forced to sort of retreat into like a private sanctuary and then blah, blah, blah. You you are picked to be a hero when you find like this orb later and you kind of start exploring uh, the world. But what's what's unique about it is uh, the, the way the, the worlds are set up are single screen, just <laughs> similar to Into the Breach, single screens um, in which they are, it's a, the, the visual aesthetic is very much like a diorama where because it's in VR, it takes on like a much more interesting layer mm-hmm. because it's a fixed perspective, but then you can, you know, you can tilt your head around. And like the, the, the way they have set the world up is very, like, they are very aware of like where your head starts so that right. like, you, there are moments where like, you know, when you're, when you're controlling, so you can control your head and you can look around the world. Um, you control the mouse with the with the the dual shock and then when you uh, the camera is keeping track of the position of the controller because there are certain things in the environment that uh, you as what they call the reader because um, you actually are sort of an omnipotent being like present in the world that quill the mouse is aware of like is aware that like there's someone watching <laughs> watching them and helping them and what this allows you to do is like float the controller around and then there are like uh, statues you can like pick up or turn uh, things that you can manipulate the environment to help quill. Uh, get along. Um, and there's like these really nice touches where like Quill will, uh, you know, like navigate around a corner and it's like you just tilt your head slightly a little bit so you can like see where Quill is going. They they smartly, uh, when Quill is out of sight um, from you uh, uh, visually, um, kind of like a blue hue shows up. So you always know where uh, it is. But if you want to like kind of keep track of like what's, what's going on, there's some secrets that are hit like very much taking advantage of the fact that like you should be like looking around the environment in like weird spots that the game isn't necessarily pointing in the direction of. But if you're like curious and poking around, you know, you'll find some collectibles uh, that uh, are, are hidden there. And it's just, it makes uh, it's, I always find it hard to tell how much VR is actually enhancing like the experience versus just it's, like a, a gimmick that like it's it's very hard to separate mm-hmm. even though we were a couple of years into this even playing this it's like as much as it's really cool that I can kind of poke around like it's it's difficult for me to parse like how much is VR in you know enhancing this or is it just like a neat gimmick that in three hours when my neck hurts it's like I <laughs> wish I could just kind of lay back and and like play the game normally but like in the four to five minutes or so that I've played it does seem like something where from like intrinsically to the way they have designed these environments like not that it wouldn't be enjoyable without vr but like they have very much tried to make it where like vr is like integral to the aesthetic to the player experience and it seems to be uh something that actually like benefits uh your interactions with the world it's it's incredibly charming if you uh like me grew up with uh like dark children's uh, cartoons Mm. like secret of nim or never-ending story um or the dark crystal uh uh, all movies that should not have been shown <laughs> to children, but I'm glad they were. They seem to have sh- shaped a lot of uh, um, uh, my worldview uh, going forward and being uh, tarred by the, those films. Um, it feels very much in that like a tonal uh, aesthetic. Uh, it feels very much plucked out of that world of people that grew up with those sorts of like uh, weirdly dark uh, children's fables. Um, 
And uh, yeah, I'm just I'm really enjoying my time with it so far. I uh, there were actual spider webs in my PlayStation VR headset. Oh my god! I I have not touched it since Resident Evil Seven. That sucks. You know, came out a year ago. I mean, you know, it's not like a lot of spider webs, yeah. but like enough for like dust and like a spider web to get in there, which. If you you know followed my thoughts on VR prior to like sort of the Oculus yeah. Rift and the Vive and the PSVR coming out, like I was very high and remain like sort of high uh, on a conceptual level about VR. But uh, even as someone that really likes VR, I, I would often find myself like I never played any of the RE7 DLC because like the 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 notion of like sitting down, finding which cables yeah. were hooked up, mm-hmm. like getting into the right position. Uh, it's just a lot. It's like a lot. I just, if, if if I could just put out, like I, I would look at the, the the PlayStation VR and go, if I could just put this on my head, like just hey, I want to check out some VR tonight. Just just put it on and like load up a game. I would be doing it a lot more. And as someone that is both like this is part of their job and was like sort of like a pseudo evangelist for the platform, because I thought I was I was really excited about the prospects. Like I think it says a lot a year in. Yeah. For, that like even I have that much hesitation about it. You don't have it hooked up all the time. You don't have the PSVR like just. I have everything like I have it like set aside and like like the USB cable. I've like repurposed at times right. to like go charge something else. Uh, so <laughs> yeah. it's not always just like a a, a thing. Like plus I have a unique setup and like because of, I have a projector, I don't have what the ideal oh, the way okay. PSVR works is that it wants you to have a display in front of you in which you can connect everything to the back of that display, put the camera yeah. on top of that TV. I can't do that because I have a projector that projects <laughs> backwards right. from the back of the room, right. which means I then need to set the camera up on a weird set of boxes <laughs> and books so that it can aim down at me. Um, and like Moss in particular – like, a lot of games, it do, you don't need to be staring at the camera. It just needs to be able to kind of, like, track where you're, generally yeah, where yeah, you're yeah. positioning your head. Moss asks that you look straight at the camera for it to do anything. So am I, but I, I'm, I, you can't see this in the pod because I'm showing this on the video. And then, uh-huh. like, I have to, like, get up on my couch and, like, stare off in a specific direction <laughs> oh holding the controller forward. And it's very uncomfortable. Um but very cute. Yeah, just, so but very it. cute. It's, it's, uh, yeah, I will say, like the fact that I'm putting up with, with some obnoxious bullshit uh, uh, says a lot about it so far. So I'm looking forward to uh, playing uh, more of it. But yeah, if you if you have a PSVR and probably have a better setup than I do, um, it, Moss is definitely to, something to keep an eye on. When it, I think it comes out uh, tomorrow afternoon. Cool. Awesome. Do you know what? How much is that? Because that's like one of those things where it's like, oh, you know, for the right price, I might dig out my PSVR to check that out. Let's see. You know, like I, I probably wouldn't. That's where I'm at right the now. Price was right. Yeah, like I have such like a mixed relation with VR. Like so many, so many games, especially with PSVR, have made me a little bit motion sick, yeah. like in a way that I don't feel comfortable with, and that like takes all of the joy out. Thirty dollars. Okay, it's a real game. That's okay. That's an all right it's price. It's a real mouse. It's a real mouse named Moss. Yeah. Into it. Into it. I'm into that game, but I, I think about I'm how probably the most VR hater here. Yeah, probably. I imagine just because it, it kind of typically makes me sick. Yeah, I have like I don't even have a, a VR, VR yeah. at all at home. So I don't. I have a weird. I have like I'm a big VR culture hater. Like I get real fucking pissy around the sort of like empathy VR empathy game type shit and like a lot of the Natalie's like nodding in the background uh-huh, a <laughs> lot a lot of the like games for change style yeah. like VR is going to save us type shit bugs me out in a big way I'm very excited by 
the prospect of artists working in VR who are doing weird things, who are not doing kind of instrumentalized, like, here's how this can save us, like, here's how this can make our lives better stuff. Um, To be clear, the reason why I'm so skeptical of that is because a lot of people who, like, jump to that do it without any research, do it without any actual, like, just assume that the notion of, like, putting someone else in your shoes, quote-unquote, could actually communicate something, which is like a, a deeply facile understanding of how empathy works. And, very tiring. Uh, yeah. yeah, and it's it's just very it's just like so like common sense in the worst in the worst way. Um, whereas the people who are like, oh, I'm gonna just like use VR to do this wild shit I can't do in any other medium. Yes, into it, like way, 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 way into into it, and have had some good time in VR experiences of a very traditional sort that are just like like. Like I, the one thing that makes me wish I had VR set up is Super Hot VR, which I just like. And that is actually like the one thing I've it's really sick. liked in VR. Yeah, I've done that totally. once, and that was like, oh, okay, oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. totally. So yes. like, and it, and it instantly makes sense. It, yeah. right? it's yes, like that's the sometimes was difficult. Like, and that's you know, I struggle with like with Moss. It's like figuring out like you know what is the added benefit other than where was it easier to get investment because you said we're making, we're making a VR, VR game. Right. Like, and I'm not trying yeah. to be like throw shade at those developers or like to be overly cynical but like that you know like you can see that being a consideration it's like hey we want to go independent and make our game like well this people it's are really that into VR that VR money. thing right yeah. now um and, and often vr games partially because the language of developing in vr is still very much in flux yep. like what, what the best practices are um but yes like part of what super hot does that a lot of vr games don't is it instantly communicate why this makes sense yep. in vr as opposed to being on and super hot is a totally fun game outside yeah. of, of virtual reality, but in virtual reality, like, immediate, like, it's one of those games I've shown other people. Right. Where it's like, hey, like, you, when you tilt your head, like, time moves. And they're like, oh, yeah. fuck. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that just immediately communicates what is fascinating about putting an obnoxious uh, headset yes. on. Totally. Um, in a way that a lot of games don't necessarily pull off. Uh, and it works yeah. with that theme too. Totally, like it, it's, like, it's in fiction. It's like actually perfect. It is one hundred percent in theme with what Superhot yeah. does. Yeah, 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 definitely. <laughs> yeah, I'm cool. curious, uh, endlessly curious about what happens with VR for the next couple of years, but not curious in the like I I don't have enough time. I don't have enough time to spend on something that I know a tiny percentage of our audience cares about because they don't have the money for VR. We'll see if that shifts in the future. You know, I, if, I also, if VR gets cheaper, yeah, I, and and less sick inducing. Yeah, that that part is really it for me, and I'm I'm also at the point in life where I've become like an official old lady. Where right. I just want the like, you know, the hand terminals from sci-fi. Right. And that's the only technology that exists. And you can just project it anywhere and that's just that. And that's it. You're good to go. It's the only machine you ever need in your entire life. So once they actually ever. minimize or, or miniaturize VR enough to just be like a th- just beam it on the wall. Right. Your wrist. Or like into your eye. Like you get like a, a little Maybe. Um, projector like on your cheek. Little or like on Yeah. yeah then like project you, 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 lasers into your eyes. Like almost like Google Glass or Whatever, what's the Intel one that's coming out? Oh, God. It has a Vaunt. Is that what it's called? I think it's called Vaunt. That just is like glasses that shoot lasers into your eyes. It's just like that, except now you're in VR. That sounds awesome. Oh, uh, uh, Verge just did a piece a thing on, on it. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, I, think it's called, I think it's called Vaunt. You should look Vaunt. it up. Yeah. V a u n t. Yes, the Vaunt Comp Test. Yeah, that's like there. I, th- I think both uh, uh, Vive and Oculus have like wireless yes. uh, solutions yeah. that are being rolled out this year. Um, I'm curious to see yeah. how how all that stuff continues to go, and if yeah. Leap Motion blows up, we'll see. It's there, but there, the one thing you mentioned though is like a uh, uh, VR, like the fastest way to have no one click on your story yep. is to uh, say that you have something to say about 
like a VR. No one gives a fuck. Like this, like it's like it's it is uh it is uh seismic yep. in how much people will not click on <laughs> on the store. Like because the audience is like there is a you know I, I a part of my like daily regimen of like looking on various things like on Reddit and stuff like that is like checking in on uh, both the Oculus and Vive uh, communities and like there is a very uh, uh, passionate community of people that are like keeping that alive totally. and relevant as the technology figures itself out um but you need like a a real wide breath in order to and that's to say that like i'm gonna write about moss right like well fuck it whatever like if that game's uh cool and interesting like i'll write about it but like the, it is worth thinking about especially if like you're a vr enthusiast and you're like why well, i don't understand why more outlets don't spend more time with vr it's like because those places are going to go out of business. If just <laughs> yeah. Spend their time writing yep. about VR every day. The vast majority of our audience just doesn't care. That's true about most most uh, uh, major audiences and, and most major sites. And that's it's it's a tough thing because like that's in complete like inversion to the the fact that that's where a lot of money is right mm-hmm. now. A lot of experimental money. A lot of I like, wonder if that's still BC. true. To be honest, like I, yeah. I know a lot of it's, going, that's a lot of it's going into AR. AR has I been the AR big, is still yeah. big shift. I can say so. I just I just did that NYU talk, yeah. Uh, and afterwards, I went to dinner with a bunch of people in like the New York, like that part of the New York game scene, which is a very specific part yeah. that is tied into like establishment VC, governmental grants, stuff like that. Of still a lot of money. Still in, a lot of money, still okay. a lot of money in VR. I still knew that a lot was of certainly the case. Like yeah. two years ago, one year ago, I just was wondering still if there. the tide has turned yet. Or okay. Uh, well, so, some of the stuff that's changed is uh, like when I've spoken to developers, uh, essentially like Sony. Sony's in outreach post Adam Boys uh, leaving uh, has been a, yeah. um, I'll call it a confusing place from <laughs> what I have heard uh, from um, from various developers and like, the VR stuff especially has been yeah. uh, confusing sure. uh, where there was very much when PSVR VR was announced like there was a the thought was going to, like the reason I think people were unnecessarily harsh on on Oculus when they were securing exclusives. It's like they were securing exclusives because there was literally no way yeah. to project that you were going to make any money publishing a game for VR, especially ahead of the headsets being on sale. Um, and so securing financing meant that you could make a game and be like, all right, we may not make a ton of money, but we're not going to like have to lay any – like the company will continue to exist. Well, at least, right. you know – you know, we, uh, we're not going to make a ton of money, but we're not going to go out of business. And Sony, the thought was early on, Sony was investing in studios directly, doing that sort of thing yeah. directly, and there uh, there is less of that. And that is that is you know true across the board. Like there is just less first party investment happening in VR. Which and even look at you know what you know what what of Sony's first party studios do you see? Like you don't see the God of War team no. or Naughty Dog being asked to to make you know VR experiences, and I think that is it's telling. That's hedging your bets. You know, you, you have limited bandwidth, but it's like the company that makes their own headset isn't necessarily right. putting in the kinds of you know. There is some stuff. There was that the Until Dawn developers, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Put out a the, the asylum, the asylum or, or some other. Yeah, I, I didn't get a chance to check that out. Which again, probably the fact that that's I didn't telling. check out the new thing from the Until Dawn. I need to go back and check that out, but. Uh, was that Psychonauts yeah, just, game? That was yeah. supposedly cool. Yeah, there's and a Psychonauts VR thing. That. And you're uh, the biggest Psychonauts fan right now. So. Right, right. Yeah. But yes, so. yes. It's a, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a weird period for virtual totally. reality right now. And I, I don't know what this th- what this looks like in 18 months. Would I, uh, would I be shocked if whenever the PlayStation 5 becomes a reality that there's not another headset? Right. 
to well, go along with because, that like, and just legacy support, like I wouldn't be shocked. It's weird because at the same time, I've heard from developers that Microsoft is still internally talking to devs about VR things and like, hey, how quickly could you turn around a VR game? And like that's a weird way to phrase that sentence. Sure uh, So like things like that are still in the air. And like I said, government stuff, like a VC for, for other uses well, of – always a couple years behind. Yeah, v- so. VR is going to have like – continue to have extensive applications that are that not – nothing to do with games. games. Like, yeah, yeah. The great, like the, the coolest thing, like even if VR, the, the VR revolution or whatever in video games never comes to pass, like the greatest thing that will ever have contributed was like whipping a bunch of technology companies and able to raise enough money to create consumer level VR, VR stuff, technology. Yeah, yeah. Like that is a, a, a net gain is the fact that like I have like really cool like I have a VR headset sitting next to me that I can use to do all sorts of like that thirteen year old like, Patrick no that, would have never imagined existed. <laughs> yeah, well, or it just that, or that it was, that it is relatively affordable. Right. Like I'm not saying that like a VR headset is cheap. I am just saying in the spectrum of like what a headset like that would have cost if there wasn't a consideration made for mass consumerism. Like it would have been stuff like that would have cost several thousand right, dollars. Right, and, right. Like the idea that for a couple hundred bucks you can get a you know a play, you know low grade PlayStation one that that functions pretty well. Like. That is that is pretty fucking right, cool. Right. It's better than mo- it's better than a PlayStation Move. Yeah, like, it's one of those things. It's like it's cool just because I think about something like Super Hypercube, which was being prototyped That's on non VR tech for yeah. years, and on a, Wii. on a Wii with like like weird like Wii hacked together thing to do head tracking. Like, oh, VR makes that work, and so I'm excited to see if we get more VR stuff that that actually can can capitalize and make me drag mine out of storage. Also, so. <laughs> Cool. Uh, Danielle, have you been up to anything? What have you, what have you been playing? I have. I have been playing uh, a lovely game that requires like 47 disclaimers. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm playing Where the Water Tastes Like Wine. Okay, yeah, I can see where. many people that I know worked on, including... I, yeah, I wrote a character for that game, so <laughs> full disclosure. Full disclosure. It's weird. I don't know how... If I, I, I've been having like a weird time knowing how to promote my work in that game mm-hmm. because of my role now. And so I've been kind of just like retweeting things sometimes. Like, oh, hey, I wrote for this. That's cool. Hey, I worked on this. What do you think it of is. it? I've I've barely touched it, so I'm really curious yeah. what someone else's perspective is. For sure. Well, I really like it. Um, and I guess I'll give the sort of very broad level of what it is mm-hmm. uh, because I, I was curious about what this actually was for a very long time. I knew a lot of people who worked on it. I knew a lot of writers who worked on it primarily. I knew what the aesthetic was, this very like sketchy kind of a West, you know, old West feeling or like it's, it's rugged even, feeling. I think it's like um, Dust Bowl more than Dust Old Bowl, West, right? It's sure. like Cowboys. Yeah. It's like, um, yeah. like, uh, 19- Cause I think about like playing poker in an old, yeah, you know, there is some of that. But it, that's only a part of it. <laughs> right. But like New York is also there, right? Like it it's, is. It's like Boston. Rhode Island's also Rhode there. Rhode Island is there. The whole country is, yeah. is there. I, I guess rustic or rough hue yeah, is probably yeah. a better term to use here. I, I kind of knew that about the aesthetic of it. And what it is is uh, basically it's sort of like a, a very high-end IF game that has a lot of other moving What's, what's IF like interactive for people who don't? Okay. type of game. What's interactive fiction? Interactive yeah, fiction. <laughs> uh, have you ever played a Twine game? Sure. It's explain what a twine okay. game yeah. is. I'm just saying like, yeah. like, assume, like break assume it, that you're talking to someone who's don't use, just – Don't use the terminology. Right. Explain okay. what it actually is. It's a story is. where you get to make choices about the story as you're playing it. Primarily driven through text. Primarily text driven. Okay. Yes. Um, What's a story? Okay, okay. Patrick. It has fuck a, off. a narrative <laughs> is a beginning, middle, and end that makes some sort of sense out of some type of event. There you go. Nice. That good make, work. That's that it. Good enough. Swish. Or, yeah. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's a good, SA, good SAT. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, totally. Thank you. I try. Totally. Do my best. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, but okay, so it's it's but like, within so this world, like very text based, or like yes. um, what are other things that have broken through as IF here um, and there? Have you ever played like um, Sunless Sea? Does some yeah, of this or, I was or say that's all good... the fail better stuff? Um, yeah. The uh, what was what's the actual game that's on the sea? The uh, um, fall, fa- uh, fall in London. There it is. Fall in London is yes. like that. Um, trying to think of anything else that's IF that's really made. Okay, the oh, beginning of Firewatch. The beginning of Firewatch <laughs> is, is exactly yeah. this. Or uh, if you have played Lifeline on the phone, yes. uh, is, is IF. Or really, you can count visual novels in this space. I, I think yeah. that those are are IF. They're in the same wheel. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely, sure. absolutely. Uh, so it begins – I'm not going to spoil anything, but it begins with sort of a, a scene that sets up what you're going to be doing. And you are sort of a traveler and you travel the country and it's America at least thus far. I'm not very far in. I'm maybe an hour-ish, maybe a little bit further than mm-hmm. that in. Uh, you are traveling America collecting stories. You talk to people. You encounter things on sort of a map right. of, of the U.S., uh, and you talk to people and you learn about their stories and you interact with them like, oh, hey, you know, uh, you'll have binary choices like talk to them further or leave them alone, something like that. Uh, you talk to a person, you get their story. And then you encounter characters at various points, like, like special character characters. events. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, Character events where they're going to ask you for certain types of stories. They're going to want a love story. They're going to want an adventure story or something like that. And so if you're able to kind of collect enough stories to give them what they want and sort of match things where they want, you get further with them and you get more of their stories. So it's almost kind of like a IF collectathon where you're collecting stories. Yeah. Uh, which is a cool concept. Yeah. It's kind of neat. The like The notion of like – I mean, the other thing is the stories change as you tell them, which, which yes. I don't know if you've hidden that yet. But like, again, full disclosure, I wrote one of the major yes. characters for this game. I am I was paid to do that. Uh, I have not touched that game. So I've not like been part of the ongoing development thing. It was a contract fee. They paid me, you know, a few hundred dollars. <laughs> I wrote. I did it between when I was at Giant Bomb and when Waypoint launched. So right. like, I was this weird downtime. Um, and uh, uh, but the, but the thing that's one of the things that I like about it from what I've played is this notion of like. Um, so, you know, I ran into a a one of the stories. I don't want to like, give a bunch of stories away or whatever. But there was a bit where it was like, oh, I uh, I go to Philadelphia and I did a day job because uh, you're, you're kind of like positioned as um, uh, kind of a like transient, a like a wanderer. Yeah. You know, like you, you don't have a home. You're kind of homeless, right? And you're dealing with – there's lots of like the old you're hobo code. I guess I should You are also a skeleton. That's okay. true. There's lots of like riding the rails and meeting up with other other travelers, other people who are who, who are, are transient and uh, – at one point, you'd like do. I did a day job as someone who was working construction in Philly, and like met all these really brave people who were like working in the high rises and the, the kind of the early skyscrapers being built. Um, and then told that story to somebody else. And then later on, I heard someone else tell the story. And in that version of it, they turned into like, oh, there are these Thunderbirds who live up in the in the the high metal buildings of Philadelphia who are building them. They're Thunderbirds. They like like jump off and fly around. It's cool. It's like uh, the story I told. That they were like really brave people <laughs> who build buildings, yeah. and at some point it's turned into this like modern myth, into this tall tale, um, and that stuff seems really neat. Yeah, um, I like that a lot. I, I haven't gotten to too much of that, but it, that was sort of foreshadowed yeah. in, in portions of the beginning of the story. I really like it, but of course I knew I was going to really right. like this. Anything that's very story based, that's very like uh, you know, deals a lot in the moment, in the moment to moment, and that deals with storytelling, that deals with sort of travel. Of course, I'm going to like it. This mm-hmm. is totally my bullshit. Um, I'm interested to see how people respond to it for sure. And I'm interested to see how people respond to like the way it looks in this sort of overworld area because it yeah. definitely looks like 
something that might be on like an itchio or, or yeah. something like that. It definitely looks very like a super deliberate aesthetic that is meant to evoke um, a sort of I, I don't want to say cheapness, but like a certain <sighs> cheapness sounds really pejorative. Yeah, it's like a certain like very personal, very like. Can you? Do you I'm know looking what I'm trying for to get a word. Yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. I get it. Uh, like it, it looks like not. Hmm. Not hollow or not like not. It looks very bare. It, is what yes, it looks like, right? So there's bare. like there's it's a flat map of of the country that has names of states on it. That have, has icons where you can go talk to people. You're kind of a low poly 3D skeleton. Yep. There are low poly you cars. Just walk around to yeah. low poly like you know geometry. Um, oh look, there's like. Twelve built like square, various squares and rectangles. That's New York City. Yep. I'm gonna walk there, uh, and so that stuff is like, I don't know if that works for me, honestly. Like, yeah, I, I again, I've only put an hour into it, um, but I, I think it, it doesn't get in the way at the very least. Yeah. Uh, but I can imagine it putting a lot of people off because it is not like a big, bright, shiny thing, uh, and it does not, it doesn't convey. Like, I don't think you should think about this as like an open world game in the way that you think about open world games. It's right. not. It, that. it feels like it's an actual open world versus I guess like I don't even I don't uh, know open world. Yeah, yeah, what's that mean it's hours. a map yeah. you can walk around yes. like that's what it is it, it's, it's an a map, open map. <laughs> and I think it's it's meant to convey a sense of traveling there is a there's a, yeah. a there's a lot of downtime there's a button you can hold that lets you start whistling and if you like as you walk, as you hit like W to walk, now I'm yeah, interested. As you hit W to walk, <laughs> if you hold down control, a little like mm-hmm. a little D pad pops up on the screen. If you hit the buttons in time, you do a little whistle along with whatever background song is playing, and that lets you walk twice yep. as fast. So it's a little bit of walking. mechanically, mechanically yep, better, a hundred percent, and you get to whistle. Yeah. And then like the actual gamey portion is when you go talk to these special characters who are really well animated, who have yeah. really cool like design. Um, they ask you, like you said, they ask you for stories. They go like, they give you a little bit of their story. They say, oh yeah, I'm, a, you know, I'm an old uh, blue collar laborer. I've been working down the way, and I, you, you don't look like you're being sent here from the foreman or from the the CEO, but you also don't really look like one of us. Like I don't know if I can trust you. And then like tells a little bit of their story, and then says like, oh, I could really use a, uh, I could really, I could really go for a, a thrilling tale, Mister or whatever. And then you you give you pick from your selection of stories that you've heard from everybody else around the map. The thing, one of the things that I'm, I think people are going to be very frustrated by, especially mm-hmm. in the early game where you don't have that many stories, is knowing whether or not one of your stories fits the bill. So right. there were a number of times when someone was like, I could go for a thrilling tale, and I've given them one, and they go, I'm not one for scary stories. I'm like, that was a thrilling story. That was not a scary story, <laughs> motherfucker. I wouldn't have told it in a scary, I wasn't a spooky thing, or the other way around where it's like, like, oh, so here's one is, I definitely met something that I think is the Jersey Devil, and someone's like, I need a spooky tale. And I'm like, I got you, and let me tell you about the, the, the Jersey Devil. And they're like, I don't really go for sad stories. I was like, there's nothing sad about a weird winged <laughs> evil goat. That's just a spooky. That's a spooky that's story. Spooky. Um, They're so I think sad. They love goats. They love goats. I guess. You know? But like, I, I eventually, it got to it was like, okay, this is in the category of things that counts as sad. This is right. in the category of the. So I started to get it a little bit more. But I think that there's a really rough like early patch in terms of internalizing what that exchange is mm-hmm. supposed to be. Um, yeah. That said, a lot of the writing that I've seen has been great. Again. 
I wrote on it, and I, and also again, I know people who wrote. Gita Jackson wrote for this yep. game. Lee Alexander wrote for this game. Laura Michel. Laura, yep, totally. Laura Michel. Editor or something. Uh, yeah, it was the editor Bruno yeah. Diaz, who's written for us. Yes. Did a lot of writing for this game. Like, there's lots and lots of I people. Know, I who feel are, like there's. I will keep going. I'll be like, oh, I know them. Yeah, oh, I know them. So it's totally. like 25 disclaimers. Totally. Need to be thrown, papered over everything we say about this. Uh, but yeah, definitely. I'm really enjoying it thus far, and I like that sort of rough aesthetic. Quite yeah, a bit. but I, mean, I also. Know that I like this kind of thing. Queen so of Itchio. It's one of those. Daniel Queen Riendo. of Itchio, exactly. Um, so yeah, that's out this week also. Yes, the twenty right? eighth, I think. Cool. I believe the last day of the month. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Uh, where the water tastes like wine. Where the water tastes like wine. Uh, really great music, also. Oh as my well god, say. yeah. Lots of like old timey guitar, like yeah. plus singer. It's Hit the old fun. dusty trail. I you just know? love the idea of like instead of collecting baubles or bullshit. You're looting stories. Really, yeah, you're that's basically stories. what you're doing. That's yeah. kind of a cool concept. And you me. build like a deck of stories yeah. basically because like you'll end up with – they're all set up into – Like tarot. Into tarot yeah. like uh, card divisions. T- divisions. Yeah, types basically. And so you know, you'll have like – there's the death card or whatever and like under the death card, you can – under every card type, you can hold three stories. So you might end up with six different stories and the stories, like I said, level up and change as they get spread. So you're incentivized to kind of mix them up but you want a nice spread of stories. Yeah. But when you're t- having this like back and forth with somebody, you can only go to one deck type, one like card type once per exchange and the goal is to like hit what they want enough times for them to divulge a little bit more of their story. Yeah. So like – the character that I wrote very briefly, like the first time, he's just like, all right, I'm just a guy. I'm just a priest. He's a priest who travels around. He doesn't have a church of his own. He just travels around and he's like totally like a regular like traveling preacher. And then if you if you kind of like open him up a little bit by giving him the stories he wants to hear, or the types of stories and kind of communicating, yeah, you're on the same level. The next time you run into him, his life has changed. He's gone off. He just finished doing uh, uh, kind of overseeing a funeral for a boy who was killed by the Klan uh, and like is is dealing with his issues of his faith and like mm-hmm. what is his role to what degree does, is, is his – uh, faith in in God and in in his you know what is his role in life all of that is kind of shaken a little bit starts to give you a little bit of detail about his backstory and his life and, and stuff like that and that happens yeah. multiple times um, and also Sting plays a wolf man oh oh that's Sting. right that's Sting yeah Sting the musician not wow. Sting the wrestler wow uh, Sting the the Sting is the wolf man the Desert Rose Sting Sting and the Police Sting yeah. He'll be watching you, right? That wolf. That is what that character yeah, does. Really, so, he is. Yeah. So. so check that out. That's that's again. I think it's rad. A billion disclosures. <laughs> it's super weird, but um, I'm glad uh, that I enjoyed. Uh, wasn't the, the the main designer was like a programmer on? Golf yes, Ball? Yeah. Johnaman. Right? Johnaman. 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 Johnaman Nord again. Johnaman Yaman. Johnaman Yaman. Johnaman. Johnaman Yaman. Again. Hold on. Okay. I have this at this the top is of good. My email. I'm so bad at like everybody just calls him Jonaman. Nobody ever says his last name. I like that we could have passed on this, but no, we're just going to try and butcher his name a little Nordigan, bit further. Yeah. All right, good. That's how it's spelled. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. You would call that a Nordigan. Right? Nord, Nord, Nord Hagen? Nord Hagen, maybe? Nord Hagen, maybe. Also, mm. the name of the. Lord Hagen? Lord Hagen. Nord Hagen. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Jonathan. Uh, uh, I really like that, you know, he'd been at Fulbright. Yeah. And now his new studio is Dim Bulb. Yeah. Games. It's a little. It's a good good. little. That is good. Dimble. Uh, So yeah, that's cool. Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. 
when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Um, I'm going to shout out one thing. I'm going to go to emails in a second, but I want to shout out one other thing that I did this weekend, which is I watched the Winter Brawl, the the Dragon Ball Fighter Z tournament, oh. the, kind of one of the first big uh, DB Fighters uh, tournaments that is like was really cool to see. So I watched Top 32. I watched Top 8. I watched kind of like all of the Dragon Ball Fighters content that I could watch you this weekend. Dragon Ball Fighters? Fighters. I'll, I'm going to fucking say Fighters. They say they say it's just Fighters. But I, I want to put the Z on giant it. giant Z at the end. I know. We've been through this. Yeah. But uh, it was really cool to see that game played at a competitive level for a couple of reasons. Um, the reason I watched it is because uh, Ben Pack over at, the Gi- over at Giant Bomb last week mentioned that it was really cool to watch it live because there are all these different people from different um, – kind of fighting game backgrounds colliding on this one game. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that sounds cool. And so when I saw that there was they were doing the top 32 and the, the, and the finals uh, on, on Twitch on the weekend, I was like, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll tune into some of that. And it was like so cool to watch. Like, I was like completely captured by it. Um, it's really cool to see like, oh, this is someone who primarily plays other games by this developer, Arxis, Guilty Gear, Blaze Blue, stuff like that. Versus someone like Sonic Fox, who we all know primarily as an Injustice or a Mortal Kombat player, yeah. versus people who primarily play Marvel versus Capcom. And like this game has kind of fit right in the middle of a lot of these other series uh, and drawn players from Street Fighter, from Marvel, from all over the place because like everybody loves Dragon Ball Z and because the game itself is really cool and there's a really great rhythm to it. Um, you know, it's a, it's a, we didn't really talk about Dragon Ball Fighters at all, but it's a 3v3 fighting game like Marvel versus Capcom 2. Um, and you know it, it has that same sort of like tag in tag out stuff. But but um, sorry, I'm thinking in my head is Marvel two three v three or is only Marvel three three v three? I think Marvel two was also three v three. And uh, it just has such a cool rhythm in terms of like going from the the neutral, which is like you're just like standing off against each other in the middle, to then getting into these great combo strings where you just like pin somebody against the wall and do just incredible like uh, rotating combos with your various characters. But it's never as hectic as Marvel has been for me to watch. I've always found Marvel kind of cool to watch but kind of boring actually because once you get into a chain in Marvel, it can just be like devastating. Your characters just get wiped out and like I, I think it looks cool, but I but I've never felt the real drama the way I have while watching something like Street Fighter or Tekken. Um, yeah. And it was really cool to see uh, how that stuff played out. And it was also just exciting because everyone had this level of buy-in to Dragon Ball as a series that I didn't expect. And so like it very much felt like being on the playground or like being at the lunch table and talking shit about about Dragon Ball Z with my nice. friends. Like especially once the the finals were, were uh, commentated by Yipes uh, and Chris Matrix who were like in, in the community, you know, in, in the FGC, well-known. Yipes, of course, is like the – if you've ever heard anyone – if you've ever watched a video of Marvel vs. Capcom with someone yelling some shit, it was probably Yipes. Okay. He's the one who's like scoops, scoops, Hagen dazs 
like yeah. that classic gotcha. video of, of Marvel uh, commentary at an arcade. Um, and uh, having them call out like Dragon Ball Z shit was so good in, in my heart of hearts. It just felt good to hear them like so – for instance, Android 16 is <laughs> – like they've been dragged into screaming a bunch of anime well, no, bullshit because, stuff. No, because no, because like, they're like, because they're re- like, like me. They grew up it. loving Dragon Ball. Like, okay. let me tell you, black folks love Dragon Ball. Like we grew up, like people in my age group grew up being like Piccolo is my real dad, and like <laughs> that was like true, true. Like really had this deep connection. I've written about this before years ago, and so having them be like. Oh, I'm just excited. Android 16. Android 16 has always been on my, been my boy the whole time. Or having, like, having them just go like, Gohan, which is like the specific way one character in Dragon Ball calls, go, he says Gohan's name over and over whenever he turns up on screen. Or having them, Android 16 does these incredible just like power bomb dunks on people where he just like grabs them. And just every time they do it, just like naming a classic like 90s, uh, uh, pro basketball player. It's like Akeem Olajuwon. <laughs> like, boom, did it. Uh, feels so good. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's it's so and then also being able to be like oh this is canonical this is this is the this this is real. Trunks fault Goku Black obviously everybody knows that from the anime and like this is happening right now I can't believe we're gonna get that canon ending like having everybody have that buy in is so weird coming from watching you know uh, uh, fighting game tournaments where people care about characters because they care about how they fight and they like their designs and they might like the game story but it's so different between that and like there's 30 years of fandom around Cell around this yeah. character Cell around Goku around like fuck Vegeta I hate Vegeta like I just hate Vegeta not even in this game I just hate Vegeta so now I'm gonna root against Vegeta that stuff is like well because the, 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 it's flipped here where you have a long narrative yes. history and then a fighting game framework put on top of it in which the history of that happening is usually bad yes. video games that people convince themselves are good enough for them to try yep. and enjoy because all they want is a fighting game with their cool characters that mm-hmm. they like. And instead what they've done is like like you know Arc System Works like you know has like found their you know niche here yep. and like the, uh, elevated this game like this game is elevated beyond just like oh it's a pretty good like wow oh, like, that's a, a pretty good Dragon good Ball, Dragon Ball yeah, fighting yeah, yeah. and like it's like nah like it's like it basically has taken the spot that like Marvel vs. Capcom wanted to right. be and Capcom fucked up Infinite so badly that that game is already discounted to $20 hoping somebody right, would so buy it and, v- and Dragon Ball is going to become like the it game probably until Smash Brothers right. like ah. comes around and then like re then like the kind of even then itself. it might not because like Smash has such a different community but it'll find yeah, its yeah, spot yeah. that's the I thing like but I just mean in terms of like like everybody like is. Dragon Ball is getting it is getting a disproportionate yes. amount of attention because it's like hey like this game is both surprisingly good and like it's the it fighting totally. game right now until like the rotation so, but my guess is that unlike. A lot of these other types of games that then like, like kind of Blaze fade Blue out pretty quickly. Or Guilty Gear, yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, like this game because it's Dragon yep. Ball Z, right? Like Arc System Works has been making good ass fighting games for a long time. It's just that there is not as much cultural cachet attached to those characters in the world that they had built for right. themselves, or even the series that they were building them on. Whereas Dragon Ball is just on a completely different level. And because this game is as good as it is, my guess is in twelve months it's yeah. still going to be a I game think- that people are talking about and playing, and it's going to have a long. If they yeah, give it the support that it needs, like so, so Danielle, I don't know if you knew, if you knew this, but Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite is not going to be at Evo this year, which is like a big oh, deal. Shit. Like it's the first time a Marvel has not been on, not the first time, but it's the last few years, Marvel Three Usually has a been a big has been a mainstay. Yeah. And the new Marvel game came out. It has not. It's not going to Evo. Uh, Dragon Ball Fighter Z is. 
To be clear, there will be and, it, and it's Capcom and it's Capcom's brand new game, right. which Capcom has underwritten like large of parts Evo. of like. So it's it's just assumed that hey, when Capcom has a game right. to push, it is going to be in Evo because that's just how the way. Right. It so this works. felt like a little bit of a slap on the wrist, especially because like, I, and, yeah. Well, that or like, is it also possible if Capcom's like? We have a turd. Right. Like, is it easier <laughs> right, to true. just, like, run from it? Like, I, like, maybe. I, maybe. I think it's possible. I think it's possible that, yeah, maybe it's a mixture yeah. of the two. Like, the fact that it's being, like, heavily discounted to, like, $20 yeah. and like, all this other stuff. Like, I think Capcom may know, like, mm, like, we should probably. We're not going to mm. save this one. Right. right. Or maybe they will. Maybe next year we'll get, like, a Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite update or whatever. And I mean, they did that for Street Fighter V right. where, like, they came back with, like, the. You know, well, a, and a now a year later that was, and now the know. Fox. Yeah, maybe maybe once this you know, yep. this Fox thing happens. So the problem is that won't close for another year. Doesn't change, it doesn't so mean they can't like, start working on putting Wolverine in. That's true. Well, secretly, right, yeah. all, all of a sudden, here's thirty X uh-huh. characters. Do you, like, is this game, game good now? Worth it? The X Men are here now. <laughs> Mag, Mag fucking Nito. Okay. God. So that was. It's worth watching that stuff. It's it's so exciting, and also Sonic Fox just. Had this incredible comeback of just like whenever when I love it whenever somebody gets knocked down to losers and then comes back. He looked it's he looked pretty, pretty cool. good. He he lost yeah. and then and then like there was a bit in losers like oh I'm just gonna win like he just decided like oh I'm just not gonna get hit anymore and then just did it. Um, and then someone interviewed him after and was like so what happened there? He's like oh I just decided to not get hit anymore. I was like oh okay. <laughs> Cool. Good. Um, and just like the last – I, I almost fell asleep watching the finals, the grand finals because he was so dominant. It was like the guy he went against was incredible the entire rest of the the tournament and then just like – just the download. He just like, I know what to do now. Knocked him out and it was so good. Wow. Um, worth watching. I'm excited to see that at Evo. I'm very excited about it. All right. Sorry for just like – No, I, you're excited about it and that excitement is giving me a little bit of life on this sludge-ass Monday. <laughs> So you know I'm, ha- Perfect. I'm happy. Perfect. Thank you for the the Dragon Ball Z. God. Fighters. I, yeah. Um. Uh. Let's let's go to the question bucket. If you have a question, you can send it to gaming at vice.com. Use question in the subject. Got a couple here to look at. Maybe. Uh. This one's interesting. I think this one comes in from Robbie, who says, "Hello, gaming advice." <laughs> That's us, <laughs> Robbie from Brick, New Jersey, writing in, uh, hoping to get my question read. But first, a little backstory. Last night, I logged onto Xbox to play PUBG and started to, uh, by checking to see which of my friends were online. I saw someone already playing, so I messaged them, uh, and whoop, I just made this bigger, and that made it harder for me to read. There oh. we go. Uh, so I messaged them, uh, and much to my chagrin, they responded, no thanks, I'm playing solo right now. I was taken aback. Who on earth would play PUBG solo when your boys are right there? And I don't think it's because I'm bad or something. I'm at least as good as they are. So that brings me to my questions. Of course, everyone should play games in whichever way they get the most enjoyment. But what about y'all personally? How do you feel about playing multiplayer games by yourself? Are there any specific multiplayer games you'd rather play alone than with your friends? If so, what games? I, for one, have never been into playing multiplayer games alone, so that's what my, so my single-player games are for. Uh, thanks for your time, and keep doing what you do, because baby is working. Baby Thank you very working. much, Robbie. Um, <laughs> I've been thinking about this a lot lately because of Monster Hunter, which is like, mm. I have... Yeah, that was my answer. That yeah, I have lots of yeah. friends who are like, Austin, come play Monster Hunter with me. And it's like, oh, well... I kind of just I like playing it alone at night, like as a podcast game. Even though I also don't, I also don't want to have the conversation of like, what should we yeah. do? It's like I just want to go, like I want to go get an Anjanath thing like four times yeah. in a row because like that's what I want to do. And if like you tell me after twice, like, hey, can we do something for like me? And I'll be like, 
No. Yeah, actually, I kind of – I have, it's like an errand list. It's like a shopping list and like – Oh, it's like the difference between like, oh, I want to go to Trader Joe's. Right. You want to go somewhere else. Right. I'm not trying to go to Trader Joe's today. Yeah. I just went to Trader Joe's. I'm trying to go buy jeans. You have enough of the. God, I forget. What's a Trader Joe's like thing? The cinnamon JoJo's. I have enough Those cinnamon JoJo's already. <laughs> you have I got like three my. Boxes. In fact, I'm not even interested in. I don't want a cinnamon JoJo's switch axe. I need a denim switch axe. I got to go to the jeans <laughs> store and get me some jeans. <laughs> God. You gotta get a new fit. That's fire. Uh, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Danielle. But yeah, I understand. I, but at the same time, what I do like about Monster Hunter is yeah. it's almost like destination multiplayer for me. Which is like, all right, we've both done our bullshit errands list. Yeah. Now yeah. let's really play. Let's go after the big thing together. That's exciting. Like I'm excited for like when you'll ping me and you'll be like, all right. Let's let's take on one right, of the exactly. Like let's just do it because it's like well, I like I'll spend the rest of this week like yep. gearing up and like I'm, I'm going down those trees. I'm getting all that. I'll research elder dragons, see which weapons yep. I got to like work on upgrading and like moving that. And then like that's what I, that's the rhythm I'm enjoying. It's like I love that there's enough in Monster Hunter World that you can solo and like it's satisfying yep. and and mechanically interesting. Um, and then there are those moments where it's like okay, this is where I this is that hour where I want to meet up with friends or mostly you is the one I'm playing with and like let's go do that and then I'm gonna go crawl back into my cave and go back to the grind like it's uh the way the game had always been described to me I didn't know it had that specific rhythm because it felt like it was going to be a game that was incompatible with my lifestyle or my time um and actually it's a game that slots in like remarkably well to all those things because it supports weirdly and I say weirdly because I just wasn't aware. It supports a lot of different ways, a lot of different times that you could have to to interact with it. And like depending on what you want to do, like you can probably like whether you have five minutes or an hour or six hours, like there's always something you can be doing that is going to make meaningful progress in the game, whether it's the meta or like an actual like moment to moment interaction. And so like that's that's that game for me right now. Just like you is like that that is the game where I'm. I'm going in between it solo. I mean, PUBG was probably the last one that I was like that with, where it was fun to do the streams with like you or play with Will. Um, but I did enjoy doing like the solo stuff. Actually, that one I I enjoyed solo, but not that much because I think my the best times I had with the game were playing with other people. And so even when I played solo, well, I got something different out of it. I mostly was just thinking, well, if I'm going to play this game, I should just probably right. do it when I'm doing right. it with other people. Danielle, how about you? Are there any things that like I, – I, the thing is I know all of us are big solo players in general, so I'm curious yeah. maybe the opposite. Is there anything where you've been like, I really want to play this with other people and that's it? I, I have two like adjacent things, which is interesting. It's like this is how I feel about working out sometimes. Like mm. I love to do my own workouts. But I also am really friendly and I like to work out with other people and I miss having teammates. I always had teammates right. my whole life. Now I have training partners, so I guess that's similar. The same. It's a little different, but it is a little different. You can't really do jujitsu with nobody else. Right. Like, there's nothing. Right. But it's also different than like do? a teammate, right? Because like if you did high school sports, it was like, all right, we are all in this together. We want to bring home oh, wins yeah. for us. Yeah. Whereas like having a training partner is like, hey, we're training together, but there's no like yeah. goal that you're working towards in the same yeah. way. I mean, right? we like go to competitions as teams, but oh. it's individual competition. Okay. But gotcha. it's like every you know, we got three medals as a team or right, right, right. That's so what you I get mean. a little excited. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like versus, Olympic ish. Versus I guess, now where like yeah. you're just doing training with people. Yeah, right. Right now. 
right now. We'll see. Oh, going back hell tonight. Yeah. Are you? Wait. I, that's why I'm wearing this. You're going back to, to what? To grappling. Grappling. Awesome. Oh, yeah. Have you thought about going competitive? Oh, absolutely. You should go. You should be There's competitive. There's no question. I just, the only reason I wasn't is because I got hurt. Right. Right. So I, maybe you'll be able to have like a real team. Hopefully in a few again. months I'll be able to go to a tournament. That'd be sick. And All right. Anyway, sorry. Oh, yeah. And streaming is also like this oh. uh, for me, weirdly. I often am like talk to my girlfriend. I'm like, let's stream this, let's stream that, let's do a stream, and she's the one who's like, no. <laughs> Actually, I'm trying so to be alone right I'm now. I'm always I'm the one who's like, this. let's have a, a a team activity <laughs> that we do, and it's she's always like, oh, I don't know, I just want to play games. God, I understand. It's tough. I get it. Yeah. On some level, I don't. I don't play like any multiple. Like honestly, this is what's funny. I'm playing, you know, hotness, you know, hot new game, Bioshock, right now. I'm about <laughs> to play two. And, like, I played the shit out of Bioshock 2 multiplayer. Did and you? it's one of, like, three multiplayer games huh. in my life that I actually played a I, heard, I remember hearing that was surprising. It was shockingly for, fun. It, it, came, it came during the period where every game was having yeah. a multiplayer. That was their solution to trying to get people to not sell yeah, the right. game after they beat the single-player mode. And so all, and like that, the multiplayer wasn't made by... It was a super um, team. 2K Marin. Digital, it was a, a creative assembly. Oh, wow. Uh, or Digital Eclipse. Digital Eclipse. Oh. Yeah, digital. I'm pretty sure digital clips made. Huh. Um, uh, or, di- or no, digital. Digital extreme. I knew there was digital a digital extremes. in there. I think. Okay. Yeah, they like worked on Unreal Tournament yeah, back yeah. in the day. They've done a lot of mm-hmm. shooter stuff. Um, and uh, yeah, but I heard that that was really a surprisingly fun. good. Oh, and that's the team that goes on to then make Warframe, a game I desperately want to figure out how to get into. I know. Oh, there you go. And don't have. We I gotta know, play that game. I know. Also. There's the next one. That's the next. Maybe one. I'll like that. Maybe it has cool designs. <laughs> it has really cool characters. I played designs. like ten hours of it once. Did you? Okay. Right at launch. Right, which is a different like game. Five right? It's like years such ago. a. Yeah, I heard that game sucked. <laughs> like, it wasn't great. <laughs> it wasn't great. But like, yeah, it's five years ago. Yeah, like, maybe, they've had a lot of. Time. Maybe we should talk about that sometime this year and put some yeah. find like a dead zone and be like, hey, this is the month we're going to get into Warframe. It's Warframe. Listen, <laughs> March. People have said, yeah, people in this building keep asking us what our theme weeks are this year, and I'm like, maybe we just have to do Warframe week. I'll play Warframe this week. <laughs> we'll figure it out. I th- it pro- if Monster Hunter had not grabbed us, I think we would have because we yeah. kicked it around a couple yeah. of times. Like, ah, we should just like spend like a couple of weeks like just doing a bunch of yeah. Warframe streams and like force us to. But then Monster Hunter took. If you're over, so. sorry, Monster, I'm sorry, open Warframe. to Warframe. I'll let it be known in your heart. I'll let it be known here. I'm open to it. Okay. I played those ten hours that one time. That's true. <laughs> But you know, if you're on our forums over at Discourse.zone and you play Warframe, talk in the thread for this for this episode. You should give us some. Yeah, what do we like? What do we need to know? And, and like, like, what is the actual and what is the investment to get like, to the good honestly, stuff? deeply honest? Be be brutally honest with yourself. Is this a thing where I could contact the developers and be like, could you just make a character so we could dive in? <laughs> well, or like, honestly, because like, right? Yeah. But or would that fuck us over because we wouldn't know all the crafting right. systems that we need to know and yeah. like right. all that shit. Be honest. Sorry. I just realized yeah, while talking that there was no way that those people could respond to us live right now. <laughs> I'm exhausted. This Be Monday honest. is killing me. All right. Uh, this one comes in from Josh who says, um, having worked across so many formats and jobs, my question is, uh, in a constantly changing world where content creators hold increasing amounts of power over the traditional studio slash publisher paradigm, where do you see the future of outlets like Waypoint and others, particularly compared to more quote-unquote traditional press outlets and also individual content creators on YouTube, Twitch, and elsewhere? Uh, I bring this up because of the layoffs over at Vox last week. Yes. I hope everyone over there landed uh, at, on their feet. I hope that they continue to find work. Um, and I don't know if people saw that those stories that were coming out then, but the the kind of what was largely in the video teams spread across the various Fox verticals 
my understanding is that people at Polygon were fine. No, Polygon didn't lose anybody. Um, uh, but the the other sites all lost people at SB Nation. And a lot of Virgin in, uh, Box, and then just studio. A lot of places that did huge. Yeah. A lot of places that did huge pivots to Facebook videos, right? And so, and so, I mean, what they came out and said was, "Hey, these people did great work. They were hitting their goals. They were growing. Like all the things you want to see, and all the things that when you have a job, you feel like, all right, I have job security. Yeah. We hit all of our goals. We are growing. Um, but that the amount of revenue that they could potentially continue to generate was dropping substantially because of changes at Facebook. And we've spoken yeah. before." about Facebook as kind of a black box, how the Facebook algorithms change in ways that are really frustrating and often unannounced or, or underannounced or unexplained. They're like, oh, yeah, we're just going to change how things appear in your in everyone's feed all, and all the time, you know. Um, or, or switch two weeks later after, like, oh, actually, man, okay, yeah, that was totally. a bad idea. Like, um, yeah. In ways that, like, make it hard to plan for and hard to hard to promote your, your content. There's things in place now where you even though someone can follow you on Facebook and say, I want to see all of Waypoint stuff, your stuff will be buried unless we as a publication pay to make it you – know, make sure that you see it. It's, like, all sorts of shit that's, like, really frustrating and, and shitty. Um, but more importantly than that, there is just this move right now that's, like – Oh wait, maybe video isn't going to save us in terms of funding, in terms of monetization. Right. I mean, there'd been this big move from traditional display advertisements, banner ads, stuff like that, to video pre-roll advertisements and mid-roll advertisements over the last few years, especially on platforms like YouTube and Facebook. Um, and and what we're seeing is like, I mean, what those places were doing. Facebook was running, you know, uh, was releasing studies every year that was like, here's how you know that video ads are the best in the way of the future. <laughs> uh, here, and then like that would shift a little bit the next year, and it'd be like, here's how we know that people really watch video ads. And then the next year, would be like, we've done, uh, we've done like a survey of how people feel when video is on, and they're positive, generally speaking. Oh my God. And like shifting away because you can't prove that people click on ads. You just can't. It's not happening. The ad, ads don't produce the sorts of results that advertising. Advertisers want them to. Advertisers want will always want a higher result than what is real, right. uh, and that number of what is real is increasingly like unclear. Um, and so, I think a lot of media people are are anticipating a shift further away from video, uh, specifically this kind of Facebook video that a lot of sites had invested in. Um, yeah. You know, Mashable was recently appraised or recently sold for like what eighteen percent of what it had been appraised for the year before. Oh, Something eighteen or twenty percent, like a huge drop off there. Um, we're seeing a lot of content creators move off platform for funding, moving to Patreon instead of being able to monetize their stuff just on on YouTube. But I think in general, I think it's a big open open question: is like what it, what is the future? And where do we as a site exist in it is definitely something on the very, very forefront of our minds. Yeah, constantly. Do you have any thoughts on All that? I'll say is it's terrifying. Yeah. And this is why I have other jobs, just yeah. in case. <laughs> sure. Totally. <laughs> just in case. Backups are good to have. Just in case friends. the rug is pulled out on uh, all of us constantly. I mean, that's the thing that's so scary. I mean, like, we've all been at corporations that have had, like, major layoffs. And there's a, a feeling of, like, oh, when you know, my number wasn't called that day. Like, my straw was right. longer. We lost like, Mike somebody went to die, year. basically. We lost like, Mike last year. We had no idea we were losing no Mike that last year. Yeah. No clue. It just, like, oh, it happened. Yeah. Uh, weird. Okay. Uh, yeah. Hmm. Okay. And that wasn't part of a pivot to video or anything. Right. That was just, like, that happened. It just happened. Uh, along with a bunch of other layoffs. And that that is a fact of the world we're in. Um, and it's it's, I think the thing that, for me, is the most scary is this notion of, like, growth alone can't save you, can't protect you, can't ensure that you you will not be let go in a situation like that, even having a good relationship with your bosses, even having like because fundamentally 
like companies are in a place where the amount of money that they're investing, they want to see a certain degree of return back. And often the thing that happens is that you set a growth goal or you set a target according to what you think is good for this year, but not necessarily what you want to do altogether, right? right. Like your your the long term goal is to blow up in a huge way to show what, what company what, what business people call hockey stick growth. Oh, the hockey stick, uh, right? Yep. So like what the what the the graph will look like. It'll look like a hockey stick where you grow a little bit, a little bit, a little bit, and then go boom, Oof. and like grow like really big, like a hockey yeah. stick. And the projection is always like, okay, next year, two years from now, three years from now, you'll get that huge vertical spike of, of success. Um, and what the what happened at Vox suggests is like they realize like, oh, we're not going to have that hockey stick growth. We're not going to have that huge vertical boom. So even if they're growing, whatever, whatever, yeah. and like. Oh, it's so it's 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 very frustrating and very scary. Um, Patrick, as someone who has done YouTube stuff independently, as mm. someone who's been to a bunch mm. of different outlets, like, what do you think? Where do you think all this goes? What's what's a site? What does the media landscape look like in a few years? <laughs> I mean. Uh-huh. I have no idea. I mean, that's uh, I part of the reason that like I do podcasts, yep. I stream, I write, I I'm capable of video editing, I'm capable of audio editing is is not knowing where that's going to go and just trying to rather than trying to predict exactly where it's all going to land is just like preparing myself to be versatile yeah. enough to like slot in in a lot of different places to try and. Uh, you know, even if writing is my bread and butter, like to like, you know, that's why when I was at Kotaku and some of the independent stuff, I did was like trying to adapt to like news and features into like a video format. Like, is that something that I could do eventually or down the line? Like at, at one point, you know, if I will run out of corporations that I could go work for, like how would I right. go and do that on my own while still doing the thing that people tend to look to me for me uh, as sort of like my, my primary contribution to, to like video game writing? Um so I don't know. I, I I have no idea where it's going. Like I remember when I was uh, when I was thinking uh, even Kotaku when Gawker was going through all its financial stuff. I mean, I remember having like very frank convert. I was choosing. I mean, I, could, I don't mind saying it. I was choosing between going uh, here or going to Rolling right. Stone. And like the frank conversations I was having with people was like, how do I know you aren't just the latest media corporation that wants to do this for eighteen months? Realizes that it's a lot harder yep. than you think. And then moves on. Um, and, you know, my considerations that are like, you know, my mindset that I was, you know, eight weeks out from becoming a father. I had just bought a house. You know, my responsibilities financially are like substantially different than they were in the past in which like you choose to leave a job. There's just a lot more baggage yeah. that goes along with that. It's not just about what makes you happy. It's about like how you're going to make sure you're providing and, and supporting. And so... All that still, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, I mean, even though even though I felt better about the answer I got from Vice, it's like I also had to be like, you know, realistic that like totally sh- changes like the face outside forces change, like internal goals change. Things like me Too right. happen. Like there are just like all you can do is try. Like, all I've ever tried to do is just like be good at my job, like be nice to people, don't burn bridges and like continue and also like continue to. Be very try to be very good yep. at the thing that I know yep. I'm good at, which is like I I'm a good reporter that can like can find stories and like I've been lucky enough that when things got tough, like someone else goes like, oh yeah, like you're good at that thing, like we'd like that. <laughs> I you know I I I why well, it keeps me up at night, like certainly now these days more than most because I think about it's a lot different when you know if I was to wake up tomorrow and not 
have a job that like just how many more respond? You know, I have my wife; she has a good job. Like, I mean, there are contingency right. plans. I have right, a savings right. account. Like, you, could, but still, it's like it stresses you out in a level that it didn't before when it was just like, oh, I just won't be able to afford it here <laughs> for a little while. Um, uh. And uh, yeah, yeah I tough. don't know. Like, I, I, there are there like, aren't answers. Like that that yeah. is the answer. The answer is there aren't answers. Is like this, you know, Waypoint existed because Vice said, "Hey, we want to put some money into video games." Yep. And Austin and I got together and said, "Like, let's do this. Fuck it. Let's take this as long. Let's, let's go as far as we can go with this." And that continues to be the game plan. Like, right, the guiding right. light is like, do it as like try and you know. Now we're in more position where we're like trying to you know. Thinking about long term, thinking about blah blah blah, all that stuff that goes into it that is beyond just yo. Let's go make a thing until they stop paying us. Um, <laughs> but but oh, I mean, one of the things that we all said early when when we came on, something I said to you, Danielle, and you came on yeah. board. Something Patrick, you, you and I have talked about before when you first visited after we brought you on, right after we you kind of joined mm-hmm. up, was like this should be a learning experience for everybody. Like yeah. I, as an editor in chief, want everyone leaving one day in 10 years with a better profile than you have when we came on board. I want everyone to have learned stuff. I want everyone to have like come to a place and like become better people uh, for it. And like, it's definitely one of those things that's like, if I'm being realistic about the media landscape, I have no fucking idea what's what's tomorrow. And so one of the things that I, I have to think about and I hope everybody thinks about who's in the, the world of games journalism, the world of journalism and media in general is like how do I make choices that are good for me in, in a year, in two years, in three years and not just today? Um, and so for me, that was like a similar thing. It was like, oh, I think this will be good for professional development. Like I, yeah. I – obviously I loved being a giant bomb. I still have a lot of great friends there. I still go over there and do stuff every, every time I get, get the chance to. Um, but this was about like, oh, I could do this for the rest of my life and not have much professional development. I wouldn't change much. Like, you know, maybe I could take on some more editing roles. Maybe I could, you know, I'd launched the freelance program there and had been doing some editing and I had been helping other people write stuff and or, you know, I'm editing other people's yeah. reviews and stuff like that. But like there wasn't really a, a path for me to like keep – to learn new talent. Uh, right. I, I mean I guess I could have – you were never going to get into management, management. Right, and and right. and that would have been and that's fine because I don't think that that giant bomb needed yeah, me to be sure. a manager there in any way. <laughs> but I wasn't going to get into video editing probably either. I wasn't going to you know what right, I mean. Right. Um, uh, and so it was like, oh, this is a, a whole new challenge, and I can try to learn something new so that down the road, who knows? Like, uh, and that's been really productive for me. And and I think the same thing has been true for everybody here. Like lots of stretching, lots of versatility, lots of like. I think everyone here <laughs> could edit this podcast at this point. Yep. I think we all have. I think that's also true. <laughs> yeah, I did, yeah, I did. I did all the the, the editing Definitely. early yeah. on when we Definitely. first started yeah. recording. Yeah, which is like podcast. I think that's yeah. a cool, positive thing for us. And I, I think in general, like if there's a hopeful direction for any of this, um, it's that. I think we'll probably continue to see a lot of folks like us look to crowdfunding platforms yeah. so that smaller things can find sustainability in a way that big platforms can't necessarily uh, invest in. Right, right. like. And it's proven more durable than I um, my first thought right. on it was, right? Like when I first saw like the kind of funnies right. of the world and um, or like Easy Allies, the the folks that came out right, of like, game right, trailers, right. like like I've been like certainly there has been in the same way that like Kickstarter or any other crowdfunding, like there is uh, a certain drop off in terms of like people get stretched a little thin on how much they can contribute to a lot of things. But like you look between like No Clip and yep. Cloth Map, and like there's there's a lot of people doing and like I've been closely watching sort of like the financials Same. and how that stuff works like just just in this like like we were saying like you're in when you work in media you're not just mm-hmm. thinking about your current job you're thinking about your next job not because i'm not even trying to like 
it's not throwing any no, shade no, 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 no. or like any criticism towards Viceway. It's always just thinking about like what am I doing two, three, four years from now to make sure that I can be employed and part of like whatever that world is. And like it's, it would be you know wild to say or, uh, that I haven't thought about like what if I was to ever do that. Like what is that world? Like what is how does that fit in financially? What would I contribute? How how are the finances of those other people changing yep. month to month so that you can like if I have like I have a fixed mortgage I have right. to pay, you know like so how would that all work and like i've actually been pleasantly surprised to see uh that has been a lot far more stable than i would have originally well, one of the things that's so exciting uh, about it for me so so i launched a patreon for <clears throat> friends at the table my yeah. my tabletop oh, thing yeah, this right. year right which is like me and seven other people right which is a lot of people to split money with but like we our producer is now full-time she does this full time with us, yeah. and that's only with like two thousand patrons. Something like No Clip has like four or five thousand patrons. I think Easy Allies has six thousand. Kind of Funny is tough because they have Kind of Funny and Kind of Funny Gaming as two different patri- yep. patreons. But that's like six thousand people on one and five thousand on the other, and there's probably overlap there. Let's say eight thousand total. Mm-hmm. Let's just say, which is probably high. It's probably like seven, sure. six, seven thousand. But let's say eight thousand people total. That's not a lot of people in the world of media, right? Like. Uh, uh, major podcasts you listen to have tens or hundreds of thousands of people right. listening to them. Like the fact that that many people can, through direct subscription, like through like supporting their their favorite people, let them do this stuff is really amazing. And like part of the thing to think of or to remember is like, okay, that's not a lot of money. Like kind of funny does pretty well, is my understanding. But it's it's, it's they have to pay for a lot of things right. that you don't think of. Well, yeah, you have to remember, like, you, if you like, let's say you see even someone that's making uh, like on uh, Patreon, like let's say they're making six thousand right. dollars a month, which sounds like right. a ton of money. So like, well, remember, like when they're filing their taxes, they're filing at yep. ten ninety nine, which means that you know roughly fifty percent of their taxes are so like oh actually they're making yep. three thousand dollars. A month. Oh, and actually, they're paying for their yep. own health insurance. Right. Oh, and actually, like travel yep. equipment is coming out of that. So, like six thousand dollars, which like if someone just handed you a check for six thousand dollars a month, yep. sounds awesome, and it's better than nothing, especially for a lot of folks like getting into things. But like that money, chip, 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 and chip, chip, you don't chips away. You don't have an HR fast. department. You don't have a legal team to right. protect yep. you if you get into trouble with something. You don't have, uh, you know, uh, a team of, of people with you who are. Like, I mean, you could have a team of people with you, but then like then you're cutting that money further down. Yep. You know, uh, and so on one hand, it's really on one hand, it's really great to see that like four or five thousand people can make a huge difference in someone's life. But also, it's always important to remember what the limits of that are. But you know, I think maybe down the road, as more and more people move into that direction, we could see those numbers grow because it becomes a, a standard, uh, a much more standard way of engaging with media. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. I, I've been a bit quiet, sort of listening uh, to all this. I, I pay attention to these things as well, and th- there is sort of another side of this as well, which is something I think everybody who does personality-based media is also beholden to, and that is. You are also beholden to your fans in a different yeah. way, in a very different way if your fans are directly paying you for your content as opposed to a corporation is paying you for your content. Totally. So there's – I'm not saying that's a negative or a positive. I'm just saying that's another sort of set of considerations to also think about in terms of what are you doing? And and it, and it is true that a lot of these very successful Patreons, they like not always, but they tend to be like really established white dudes. Mm-hmm. Like that's not everybody, of course, which is great, yeah. but – 
There's something about that too. Yeah, that, totally. That does. It's way harder. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you need to be no, you need to be known right. in order to hundred percent to have people willing. Yeah, to give totally. Yes. Like, I, I think <laughs> about even the people. Who, there are people who I support on on Patreon who I think make some of the best stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. Full stop. And also simultaneously, no amount of me retweeting them gives them a big as big of a platform as they deserve or as hard right. as they as they work or whatever right, right? like um it's it's super it's a weird that part's always going to be hard that part right. is always going to be really really and, hard and to deal and one with. of the things that's so frustrating often is like the platform has to present itself. Patreon is a platform and other crowdfunding platforms want to present themselves as meritocracies where the best stuff rises to the top because that's what gets people to come and sign up to right. begin with. But also when you look at the biggest successes just in our own field, yeah, it is people who've already had an audience like f- to a large degree. And like that is that is a tough thing to, to grapple with. Um, at the same time, it's also one of those things where I, I would like to believe that there are people who are able to find and subsidize their art and their and their hobby side stuff through Patreon or through other sorts of crowdfunding services where they would previously just be doing that stuff for free or right. or worse like for way lower wages i so like i know that when i went from freelancing as a as a complete freelancer working for places like Paste and GameSpot yeah. to having a Patreon. And at that point, I had like a following, but I was not it's pre giant bomb, right? right. Like I had like right. eight thousand followers on Twitter, which is not nothing, but it is not it is not tens of thousands of right. followers. It's not it's sustainable not, like money no, each month to but pay rent. Yeah. Totally, and yeah. it's definitely not that for yeah. freelance. Like freelance on any given month, working freelance, writing a number of articles for GameSpot and Paste. Um, and I think at the time, I think I was also God, I was somewhere else too at the time. It's been such a long time. Um, it hasn't been. It's been three years. It's been no fucking time at all. But it just feels like ten. Years. It just feels like ten years. <laughs> um, I was making a few hundred dollars. Right. You know, if I yeah. did a review at Gamespot plus two or three paste pieces, I was probably making total four or five hundred. And that was like a good month. Probably that was a good month. Yeah. If I actually yeah. had a, that full of a thing, I launched my Patreon, and just from the small set of people who followed my work. That was able to like pay my rent, and that was like an amazing thing. Yeah. Um, uh, and of course, that's pay my rent before taxes, so it was not able to pay my right. rent. It was able to pay like right. half of my rent. Half the rent. Um, but yeah. that's still better than where I was at previously. So between that, between freelance stuff, and between teaching, I was able to like make ends meet basically. Um, so yeah, so so I like to think like okay. That was a better paycheck for me than – and it was also work that I would have been previously wanting to do on my blog for free anyway. Right. So there are ways to, to kind of – if you're in that middle zone, hopefully find that support. And I would like to see that continue to grow and and, and I would like to see that happen in our space too. But it, it does bring in a new set of considerations. Like a lot of people ask us like, why don't you just have a subscriber? Why don't you just like turn on subscriptions? And it's like – because that's not – because OK, what would that look like for us? Yeah. Right, well, we would need a way to give premium access to video. Which me, which isn't a thing Twitch lets you do. Twitch doesn't let you have like premium only streams because right. they need everyone to see all their streams. So they got rid of like private streams. Um, you can't really do it on YouTube. You can do an unlisted thing on YouTube, but that's not really going to fly. Someone's just going to link that out. Obviously, yeah. <laughs> um, there's like all sorts of considerations around like, well, how do we make sure that the pricing is right? How do you make sure that people are getting value for what they're paying? How do you make sure that you're having like that you actually have some sort of format so that like people can respond and let you know if what you're doing is what they want to to see and what they don't. Like there's a million weird questions around putting together a subscription. What happens and this is one of the biggest ones is like if you are this sort of publication 
that wants to appeal to readers and also to your subscribers, how do you make sure that you're listening to both sides in the right way? Do you pay more attention to the people who are paying you five bucks a month? Or the the you know the you know the, the, much, few, larger the much larger group, group of, yeah. of people who are just like clicking through, it's it's a really complex thing, which doesn't mean that it's not something we're thinking about and, and trying to work out. Obviously, it's like on our long term game plan for sure. Uh, it's something we're investigating, but but it is a complex thing and and always very curious to see how it how it shakes out. All right, I think that's going to do it for us today. Yeah, Whew, long one Monday. A lot of, a lot of good stuff. I'm exhausted. In there. Oh, it's three o'clock. Fuck. Okay, it's three. <laughs> it's almost three thirty. I'm Austin Walker. Follow me on Twitter at Austin underscore Walker. Where can people find you, Danielle? At Danielle R I. And you, Patrick. Subscribe to my Patreon. <laughs> and, um, I mean, excuse I mean, me. Wait a sorry. second. Sorry. Sorry. Uh, uh, you found the, me at Patrick. The masked games journalist launches a Patreon. <laughs> Who gets all these scoops? Weird. <laughs> it's, it's the new, the new, I'm sorry, the, the new, new sh- sh- yes, the masked hey. scooper. Yeah, Scooper X. The masked scooper? Uh huh. <laughs> The mass no, scoop yeah, right off. Yeah. Mm. Mm, not a fan. Follow Waypoint uh, over at twitter.com slash waypoint, facebook.com slash waypoint vice, youtube.com slash waypoint vice, twitch.tv slash waypoint, and as always, waypoint.vice.com. Shout outs to Bowen for letting us use his track Miss You off the EP Pale Machine. Find out more about that at waypoint.zone slash B O E N. As always, come let us know uh, about what your thoughts are, discourse.zone, and specifically, Give us your Warframe tips. Yeah, Let us, us know about Warframe. <laughs> what are the Plains of Eidolon like? Thank you. Tell us about the Plains of Eidolon. To deliver on to us the, the Plains of Eidolon. All right. That's going to do it for us. Danielle. Be good and be good at it. Peace. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.